The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 28. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meaning and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. If you enjoy the, um, the show, please uh, leave a review on iTunes or in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to like and share the show on Facebook and Twitter. It really helps to spread the word and grow our audience. Today, we are discussing the seventh episode of Season 2, Message in a Bottle. SG-1 visits a barren world where they find a mysterious alien orb. Surmising that it might be a time capsule from the distant past, the team brings it back with them. While studying the orb, it begins to heat up and emit high levels of EM radiation, and when Jack and Teal'c attempt to throw it back through the Stargate, it pins him to the wall with a large metal spike. The team discovers that the orb is infecting the SGC and all within it with an organism that eats through everything. Meanwhile, the effects department at MGM discover black lights and white paint. The organism infects the computers, triggering a self-destruct sequence of the SGC, but Daniel discovers that it is trying to communicate with them. The team feeds the life form energy um, so it can use Jack as a Muppet to communicate, but it does not want to go back to the boring moon. The organism releases Jack, and they send the orb to colonize the, inhabited, the uninhabited world. Yep. Mm. Yeah, fun times. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep <laughs> so I will. This episode was kind of a, kind of a dud. I would say for me. What about y'all? Yeah, it was. It was a episode. It, it, it's it's one of those that I'm really neither thrilled with or disappointed in. It's yeah. just kind of a. It's there. It was a filler. Um, of course, you get the random lieutenant that has a crush on Carter, and of course, he dies by the end of it, I think. I can't even remember if he did or not. I mean, that's all interesting this episode was. Unclear. Yeah. So that's what I was waiting for. So he's, he's, you know, he's going on through the episode, or Daniel is going on to Carter throughout the episode about how this guy likes her, and he's always nervous around her. And they have kind of a payoff for that, where she goes and talks to him, and he's like, he's trying to flirt with her on his deathbed. But it doesn't. I don't think he died, but they don't ever give any sort of closure to that. So I don't know. No, I, th- I think given that their solution to the problem is to give the, you know, the bacteria what it wants. I think we can assume from that, that, that Graham is toast. And you know, but, actually, uh, they, 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 oh, I just, just, sorry. I just looked him up on, on the fandom and he does return. So he's not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe he was faking it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's not really allergic to tetracycline. And a mangled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's just laying in, in sick bed. I need soup. <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So filler, I think, just about sums it up. It's it's about 20 minutes of episode stretched out to, to 40 minutes. Um, you do get some nice stuff uh, in it. Uh, you get Siler with a settling torch mm-hmm. and Hammond acknowledges, you know, that their trips through the gate bringing stuff back, you know, can't go perfectly forever. But apart from that, it's a kind of a nothing burger. You know what they really should do that I thought about watching this episode is, so they have other bases on other planets that are uninhabited. Why don't they set up a staging area on a planet with a stargate that has like a base where they can do like containment, study things. And if something like this happens, you just close off the gate and it doesn't destroy the entire earth. That's, that's a novel idea. The, like that, yeah. That work, yeah. That, that's thinking deeper than the, yeah. the, uh, the, the writers did, I think. Yeah. I can't. That's kind oh, of good. Kind of the setup for, for universe too, where they're like, you know, they have a, a separate planet where they're kind of staging the launching that expedition. But yeah, they have, they haven't really done that very much. This episode was kind of a, kind of cool to think about in terms of it's almost it's almost kind of like if the movie the thing was more from the point of view of the alien creature because in that movie you have this like weird creature with no motivations it's just killing everybody but you don't really know if it's just killing everybody because they're shooting at it and poking it and trying to capture it and blow it up with dynamite maybe it's just trying to defend itself and get back to its ship so this is kind of like yeah, if you had even- a clear payoff for that kind of plot yeah, and even calling it the thing is kind of like othering yeah. it to yeah. some degree. Yeah, I mean they should call it the the nice thing. <laughs> Who's not acting very nicely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Keith David and the uh, and the rest of them. Um yeah, so so let's talk about bacteria, I guess. Um yeah, so it was interesting when I was watching this episode, you know, that it, and Carter's saying, you know, maybe the bacteria needs to reach a certain level of you know, saturation before it can achieve consciousness, which is um, both kind of a nice take on like, you know, the supervenient or whatever, the emergent theory of consciousness, whereas like an organism has to be sufficiently complex in order to achieve consciousness. But it made me think of like a Nova special that I had watched (laughs) a few years after this had aired, um, where they were talking about quorum sensing and bacteria. And the the thing has always been like if bacteria, you know, infects you and your immune system reacts, like why doesn't the bacteria just get like wiped out when there's only like a few of it? And the theory and this wasn't like promulgated until the early 2000s. So a few years after this episode is that the bacteria kind of just like multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And when it reaches a certain uh, number or strength, it'll like send out a signal like these auto inducers, which will. Um, you know, activate the genes that uh, are present in the bacteria. I guess I'm not a, you know, biologist or anything, but so it's kind of neat that they were like referencing that a few years before, mm. you know, that it kind of hit the mainstream. Yeah, there was a lot in, of. In, uh, much, oh, good. No, I was going to say, in in many ways, this is a lot like that uh, the TNG episode where they have the uh, nanites that take over the computer and same kind of thing. You know, eventually it develops consciousness, but. Better, a little better episode than I wasn't the biggest fan of that one, that TNG episode. But seems like we have a lot of other nanite episodes coming up in Stargate too. Oh yeah, <laughs> take over computers and yeah. I do but, like. Uh, it, they don't really make it clear is if, if this is just the probe or if this is like the 
organism, the bacteria organism, is actually the species that was, that was on the planet. Because it almost seemed like this is like this is our the consciousness of our race in this device, and that's yeah. all that's left. That's interesting because, like, how would bacteria build like a metal sphere and an altar and stuff? And you know, why does God need a starship? Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Well. Well, you got the, you know, the whole, you know, we are Borg. I mean, we are, we are the race that, you know, wiped out this planet or were wiped out on this planet. And so we created this. So it, it really does kind of feel like a collected consciousness type of thing where they, they, the race took their consciousnesses and put them in this sphere, hoping that they could get moved to another planet where they can then take over. And although they were nice, and that I- they were nice people, even if they speared someone through the shoulder and controlled him. Yeah. Yeah. And this. That I actually kind of like that. That makes it more interesting that like they were uh, some other sort of race a hundred thousand years ago, and they put their consciousness into bacteria or a little bit of it into each bacteria or whatever, so that when it multiplies, you get the whole uh, consciousness experience there. And then they put it all into the vet sphere. <laughs> and um, if you want to learn more about the vet sphere, uh, listen to season uh, no, sorry, episode fifty three of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. <laughs> I'm just watching the sphere rolling around and activating, and I'm like, oh, it's just like the vet sphere. Yeah. <laughs> well, not exactly, because that never speared anybody, but that we know of. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that spearing scene. Like yeah. uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson did a really good job in that, like being in pain and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I actually felt for him and stuff. And then they're like, they're like, put something under him, like to rest his legs on. And I don't know if they ever did they that or did. not. But no, they don't. And I was because like yeah, if I was like suspended by a kind of like flimsy metal rod, um. That's what I would want. Yeah, not so not so flimsy though, because I mean, he's he's Siler's sitting there with the cutting torch for hours, and just about gets it done. Of course, he stops. You know, he doesn't like finish it and say, "Okay, I'm all done now." Oh no, he 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 stops and gives the the alien time to move it further up. Shoves yeah, it. he doesn't go. Yeah, I also. But um, oh, oh, I was going to say this also seems like maybe this episode was filmed on a uh, Richard Dean Anderson's off week. Mm. Like, like here we got it you're going to come in for the beginning part of the episode and we're going to film your wall scenes and then you, you can have the rest of the week off yeah <laughs> so like season eight basically yeah 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 this is uh this definitely i think could be considered a, a bottle episode where you know because most of Absolutely. it the vast majority of it is within the sgc other than their moonwalk you know which of course was filmed on the same yeah. studio that the apollo 11 one was filmed and i mean oh wait 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 uh oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> took a special flight to Arizona and got Stanley Kubrick on the phone and yeah and MGM also produced 2000 I can't remember oh, that's interesting I can't remember if they did or not it was a yeah it was a very good opening scene though like that that moonwalk scene was was very cool oh yeah and I do appreciate that when they get back to the SGC or when they're actually when they're in the chamber they're all talking and their their visors aren't getting fogged up a was, uh, little bit of dead there were a couple of times where you kind of you could yeah. see they were kind of fogging up a little bit but so that that would that would be kind of uncomfortable as an actor to have to wear those outfits. I did like also that they uh they basically had like Apollo era spacesuits. It makes me wonder if maybe they just had whatever the casts off were from NASA. There you go. That recycled. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see what MGM was producing around like ninety six, ninety seven that they might have had uh in in the oh, I'm, I'm, you know the costume room. I'm, I'm sure they went in uh you know, rated the, the, the 
other the the, the storage for for other uh, productions, yeah. just like the BBC does with BBC did always does with Doctor Who. You know, they always make sure to grab whatever they can find from the from the uh, uh, wardrobe of the BBC. Well, this is MGM's wardrobe, probably. Right. I uh, I always love uh, spotting either reused props in different movies or when they take like everyday objects in science fiction movies and put them in. Oh yeah. Uh, like they have like the Dyson blade fan. There was, you know, this bladeless, uh, Oh yeah. Yep. If you watch the new star Trek movie from 2009, they have those all over the, uh, sick bay area. And once you see it, you cannot unsee it. It's always <laughs> fun to spot things like that. Yeah. I was, uh, watching a, a sixth, uh, no, what was it? Um, yeah, Sixth Doctor episode, I think it was Mind Warp or Mind Freak or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And like one of the highly advanced alien technology thing is this Capsella toy that I played with as a kid where you would like combine capsules together with motors and stuff. And it was it was a really fun toy. But I just, yeah, once you see it in, in Doctor <laughs> Who, it's, it's just there. That doesn't make it more cool for you? Or does it just make the show less cool? It, I mean, the show is it's like Sixth Doctor. So classic I mean... Doctor Who is it's 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 charming. regardless yeah yeah the effect speaking of just not great effects a lot of the ones in here were really uh like i feel like they've been doing better overall this season but this really seemed like they were scraping the bottom of the barrel with that uh a lot of not great cgi matting and then the Mm -hmm. i wish they like they had a cool idea with using kind of the black light to show the infection but they didn't really do anything with it in terms of like spreading there's like we'll put a lid on his face and that's good yeah, yeah. I did like that the black lights look kind of like Daleks as they were wheeling. Them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple devices, just a whole bunch of light bulbs around a center pillar. I mean, yeah, a bunch of fluorescent tubes. But of course, yeah. you got to turn it on using the computer. You can't just go hit a switch on the device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots to do on the computer this episode. We get, we get like the, you know, the, the ticking base, you know, countdown to auto destruct. And then we also get the uh, alien organisms somehow infecting the wiring. And as they're like getting into the computers, my, my year old son is like, why don't they just go on Wi-Fi? And I was like, well, you understand, this is this, 1998. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of Wi-Fi to be had. But um, it's funny, I, I was watching this with the, with the captions on and uh, the captions for when the alien is taking over the computer, it, it, it says beeping, beeping, and then uh, slightly what does it say? Slightly tweaked beeping. So that's how you know the <laughs> because the beeping is slightly tweaked. So my, uh, speaking of charming, yeah. I thought that was nice. This yeah. is my new techno album that's coming out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And my modular synthesizer. Yeah. So, so the aliens have a hard time communicating, but they can somehow interface with the computer to the point where they can actually display their logo on a CRT monitor. I like mm-hmm. that they were able to figure out like the RGB values for that right there. <laughs> yeah, with, with some cool embossing effects yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's it is a computer virus apparently too, not just a human virus, but a computer virus as well. Yeah, if McKay was there, he would have just written his own computer virus to to knock out the alien bacteria. I guess from bacteria. Atlantis, because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are the worst. Got to like pull your. Uh, fan out you got to clean your sink out yep oh yeah and that and that's why you don't network your uh your, your computer that can handle the self-destruct to your lab computer you know you make sure they're on different networks yeah it seems like a bad idea <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember they were talking to Kaspersky, you know, after one of the, the you know, PR disasters with Kaspersky uh, antivirus a few years ago. And they were like, well, how do you make sure that, you know, your computer can't be infected by viruses? And Eugene Kaspersky just said, you, you unplug it and turn it off or you turn it off and unplug it from the network. Yep. You know, that's about all you can do. Makes me think of uh, that's the, basically the Galactica's defense against the Cylons. Is mm-hmm. You don't have anything. Yep, exactly. In that one terrible episode that we'll we'll not talk about. This is Secrets of a Stargate. There's a Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> it's also not Secrets of Jack Rants about horrible uh, misrepresentation of computers on science fiction shows. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was interesting when I was in the Air Force. I mean, they meet, you know, of course, you had separate networks depending on security, but you would also would have computers that were, were standalone. And, but they would always say, you know, that the only way you could really secure a computer is literally by having it unplugged shut off you know shut off unplugged and in a safe yeah yep so there's always those mitigating steps you can take i know um at a place i used to work we had to set up a uh safe room i cannot remember the term there's a uh cyber network um and one of the things we had to do is take the laptops open them up physically take out the microphones and the webcam mm, and then put the laptop sure. back together because even if you have it turned off through software you can never be sure that it's actually off. All it takes is a program that's not going to turn on the little LED. Yep. Was was this was this place you worked? Was this under Cheyenne Mountain by any chance? I can't talk. Okay. <laughs> can you? I, I understand. Neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, I love a uh, Hammond's attitude throughout this episode. Where so we have Carter at first after they are shooting the orb with the staff weapon, and that's feeding it energy. And so she, she figures out that feeding energy is what's causing it to grow. And she tells Hammond, we got to stop feeding it, you know, shooting it or lighting it on fire. Cause that's making it grow. And he doesn't really want to go along with it, but then he eventually does. And then as soon as Daniel figures out that they need to feed it energy so it can grow so they can talk to it, she like reverses that position. He's just so exasperated. And I love that. Yeah, I think we all kind of feel like that over the past year and a half. You know, we, you told yeah. us one thing a year ago, and now you're telling us something completely different. Or you told us one thing last week, and now you told me something completely different this week. So we can understand how General Hammond feels. Which is it, then? Make up your mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, one thing I, I did like about this episode, so Richard Dean Anderson, I mentioned that when he gets speared, you know, it's it's actually pretty agonizing watching mm-hmm. him. But then uh, when he is uh, taken over by the uh, the collective consciousness of the bacteria people, um, you know, his good morning campers, it's very, like, effective and creepy. I thought they did that very well. Yeah, I like um, that they they didn't give him, like, a totally different personality. They kind of had the organism, like, subsume him and use his faculties. Right. Like, I thought that was cool. They did that. One and one one difference we see here than you would see like with if a Gwauld had taken him over is, you know they they would say that O'Neill agrees O'Neill wants this as well O'Neill does not want to die either you know that that it was clear that while it was the alien speaking that O'Neill's personality and O'Neill's thoughts were also there yeah present. And I think this is one of at least three times where O'Neill gets taken over by an alien consciousness. There's the uh, the, the the brain, you know, embiggening device. There's uh, a Gould later on, and and there's probably others as well. So it, it's becoming a real thing for him where he gets taken over by an alien consciousness, can't express his wish, you know, 
um, his wishes and, you know, Sam has to basically interpret for him what he wants done. Yeah. Uh, one thing I liked about this episode is we do get a nice moment between a, a Jack and Teal when he's on the wall. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure at that point that he's going to die. Um, and Teal, in an attempt to cheer him up, says, uh, uh, Undomesticated equines cannot drag me away, which of course yep. is going back to his whole miss uh, malapropisms that he says about different phrases. But that was one that he meant. So I like that that moment of character growth for Teal, where yeah. he's starting to like understand humanity more and he's also he's coming out of a shell i don't know like that mm-hmm. that was fun well, I, I love i love jack's reactions teal wild horses oh you told a joke yeah. <laughs> wait a minute yeah <laughs> yeah which which you know the the kind of the teal groaners we've gotten in the in the past few episodes now are, are kind of you know seen in a different light where oh yeah he did mean that as a joke you know yeah. Well, and Teal's expression doesn't change, but it's like, yeah, he meant this as a joke. He was being funny. Um, and then at the end, they they find a primordial planet to send the bacteria to to uh, colonize and and uh, have fun with. And and uh, interesting things there. They they for once are not dialing the the sequence for Abydos. Mm-hmm. I had our resident uh, aerial tech expert here <laughs> confirm that. But he did notice that that the chevron, the symbols on the gate as they were dialing, were the ones used uh, in the movie from the movie prop, not the TV show prop. Hmm. So, yeah, so they reused footage, but not the uh, not the Abydos sequence on the dialing computer. So, um, I don't I don't know what gate address they were actually dialing, but I'm sure you can find the answer online. Probably. So, <laughs> I like that your son has a detail. I appreciate that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, he's starting to watch Voyager now, and Ooh. and he's really he's kind of like picking apart some of like the core conceits oh. of Star Trek at this point. Yeah, yeah that's that'll be easy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Well, that's really all I had to say. I mean, it was good to see Siler again. Mayborn gets referenced in passing. We don't see him, but uh, yep. the NID doesn't get their their mitts on the. Uh, on the on the you know the phantasm or the kilosphere or whatever it is. So well, we we forgot the most important part that of course the self destruct can't be shut down until it hits one second. You just oh, it's course, impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As Galaxy Quest shows that that's just that's how they work. You know they just can't be shut off until it's one second left. Uh, dramatic uh, engine subroutine turned on. Oh yes. Yeah, it was pretty like cold of Hammond to say like no antibiotics coming in or out. You know. Because we're in lockdown. Yeah, they could could even just like chuck some through the door. Or down like one of the shafts, like the ventilation shafts or something. Well, I mean, yeah, we know there are alternate ways in. So, I mean, we've seen them use it where they actually had to climb up through the the back door, basically. One thing I did like about the episode was the fact that even when they come to more of an understanding of the intentions and the wants of the alien they don't it doesn't it's not like oh like i feel like what tng would have done with this episode it would have been like oh this poor alien life form is so misunderstood and it's really wonderful and benevolent and so advanced and so kind and you know it's it's wonderful but this is more like all right we get where it's coming from but it's still sinister and kind of creepy so let's get it out of here yep yeah 
What right do we have to interfere with the development of an alien species that's infected our home world? Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Father? Do you have any other thoughts on this episode? That's it. Like I said, it was a, a filler episode. It yeah. was there. It wasn't too bad. But I, 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 did, I did like the scene, though, where Daniel and Carter are sitting there looking at it the first time, and Daniel comments, and I think the lieutenant really has, has a crush on you. We're recording now. Thanks, Daniel. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> she immediately gets embarrassed. And I, and I, I did like the idea of the microfiche, you know, on the, on, the, on the ball, you know, that equals a thousand pages of text. And then, yep. you know, the bacteria at the end is like, well, you didn't read, you didn't read the book. You know, you didn't read the outside of the spear. We, we said this. What happened? Yep. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Makes me wonder if, uh, from back in that episode where, uh, where they found Ernest, there was a thing in the sphere, that library they found that got destroyed. Mm. Guess we'll never know. No, there's probably a lot there, yeah. Before we like to, before we, uh, go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Roger F., Derek V., Carl K., Thomas A., and Daniel Z. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secret to Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Family. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lamb, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack, and way to go, Junior. <laughs> Once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>